John from the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning does indeed come from John 16, verses 23 through 33, and can be found on page 1679 in the Pew Bibles. John records, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. And in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. And now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So Jesus had much to say the evening before he went to the cross. And the gospel, according to John, just so you know, it dedicates five chapters, five chapters, to his teachings as the betrayal and the trials, the sham trials, grew closer. And the other gospel accounts also have extensive teaching from that evening and that night. And the reading that we just heard comes at the end of those teachings. When Jesus finished these teachings, he prayed for his church, and then he prepared to meet his betrayer. And the words that we heard in today's gospel are the last words of Jesus' farewell to his disciples before his death. Jesus 
had already warned his disciples about the sufferings and the persecution and the anxiety and the sorrow that would befall them in the days and in the months and in the years to come. And he told them about the suffering that they would endure for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news. And he promised them, he promised them his comfort and his aid. Which, which, which promises does Jesus keep? All of them. And he promised to send the Holy Spirit to help them face the challenges. And, well, as we know, the challenges that would soon come their way. And then, as he came to the end of his teaching, he encouraged them to pray. And after that, he himself prayed for them and for the church through all of the ages. And as he encouraged his disciples to pray, he spoke of our Heavenly Father. And he spoke of the love that the Father has for us. And he spoke of God the Father's desire to hear the words, to hear our words and thoughts as we pray to him. And Jesus' words go beyond prayer, and they tell us of the attitude that God the Father has for us. His words remind us that the opening words of the prayer he taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. You know, the opening words of the Lord's Prayer are so familiar to us that we might often say them kind of like autopilot or, you know, muscle memory. You hear our Father, you go, oh. right? That's okay. I'm here to tell you. We don't often think about what it means that Jesus instructs us to call God our Father. And as we hear today's gospel, we have an opportunity to hear what a marvelous thing it is that we not only have the privilege of speaking to the great sovereign Lord of all things, but Jesus actually instructs us to Speak to him as our beloved father. Where's Crystal? There she is. You're right. But yeah, I used to call him daddy. And sometimes I still let it slip. But he did invite us to call him Abba Father. And she wanted to make sure that I was being respectful. And I love you for that because I know I'm not going to get away with anything with her and many of you as well. But Jesus invites us to call him Father. Now let's take a short pause. Shall we? Well, we're going to anyway, because here we need to recognize, and I need you to hear from my mouth, that the word Father has mixed, mixed meanings in any group. Some of us had fathers who loved us and sacrificed for our benefit. 
and others had fathers that were absent or abusive fathers who made their lives miserable. And this means that there can be a wildly different reaction to the teaching of God, the Father. God the Father is not just a name, and it's not just a title. Hear me. It is His true nature. He is the perfect Father. He is the one who loves, who sacrifices, who cherishes, and otherwise cares for us, for you and for me, his children. And he is the one who demonstrated his love for us by sending his only begotten son into this world so that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. And it's his love for us that is perfect, and he wants to hear from us on a regular basis. He wants us to share our words, our thoughts, and even our feelings with him. You can relate to that. Don't you like to hear from your kids, from friends? Well, how can such a thing be? Somebody might ask. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. He is in charge of the physical universe and the spiritual realm as well. And the earth, you know, the earth seems so large to us. But the earth isn't even like a speck of dust to him. He is so big. He is so powerful. And in comparison... We are itty-bitty babies, small and weak. How could such a great being even know? Even know we are even here. Not only that, but he is holy and he is perfect. And we are broken sinners. He created a perfect, holy universe. And we, we boke it. We boke it with our sin. His holiness brings blessings and our sinfulness brings curses. Even if he were to notice us. I mean, if he took notice of us, Shouldn't it make sense that he'd want to punish us for all that we've done to corrupt his, his creation? I mean, we boke it, you and me. How is it that Jesus instructs us sinners to address this holy and mighty God as Abba, Father, Daddy? How can this be? Jesus included the answer to this question in his instructions to pray. You heard it. When he said, Ask of the Father in my name. I did a sermon years ago. This triggered me. It's, the sermon was titled, What's in a Name? You've heard that phrase. What's in a name? Right? 
Well, here, everything. When Jesus instructs us to pray in his name, we remember whose name this is. This is the name of the Son of God who took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. This is the name of the one who was born under the strictest law and kept that law in perfection without sin. This is the name of the one who submitted to an unfair arrest and trial, to shameful torture, and ultimately to death on the cross. This is the name of the one who suffered all these things and then rose from the grave. This is the name of the one who ascended into heaven in order to fill all things. This is the name of the one who rescued us from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold, not with silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. This is the name of the one who promised to return in order to raise the bodies of all the dead and to take me and to take you and all believers to live with him in eternity forever. Jesus said that we are to pray in his name. Now, praying in Jesus' name is the foundation of prayer. It anchors prayer in the salvation that Jesus earned for us with his suffering and his death. It anchors our prayer in Christ's resurrection and the promise that we shall also rise from the dead. And since the power of prayer resides in Jesus' name, it does not rest in the prayer itself. No, nor does it rest in us. We need not worry about making our prayers eloquent or long. We need not be concerned about the exact form of our prayer. We need not worry about being worthy to pray. For the worthiness of our prayer resides in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ. And praying in Jesus' name does not require us to actually say, in Jesus' name I pray, or something similar. It doesn't. It simply means that there is trust in Jesus Christ. Thus, prayer is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to us at the same time that he works saving faith in us. And if we have faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, for life, and for salvation, then we also have the faith that prays in Jesus' name. To pray in Jesus' name means that God hears our prayers for the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ, who is our only mediator and high priest before God. Therefore, our prayer must be centered in him alone. This also means that those who reject the Holy Spirit's gift of faith cannot really pray. 
They can say the words, and they can go through the motions, and even so, if they do not trust Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, they are not praying in the name of Jesus. And their faith is in a false God, a little g-God. And if their faith is in a false little g-God, then they are praying to a God who does not exist. They are praying into emptiness. For example, it is like having a conversation in an empty room. You can be amazingly eloquent and say amazing eloquent things, and your prayer can be a literary masterpiece, but no one will hear it. On the other hand, those who trust in Jesus, you, those who trust in Jesus, have no need to be eloquent. We don't have to worry that we will get the words exactly right, just as a loving parent will listen to the silly words of a toddler. I was just looking. I didn't boke it. You boke it. So also, God the Father loves to listen to those who trust in Jesus. And because our sins have been removed and Christ has covered us in his righteousness, our thoughts, our words, and feelings are precious to God, no matter how crude they are. Furthermore, we have the promise that the Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul. He inspired him to write in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul records, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here the Holy Spirit promises to take even our most awkward words and thoughts and transform them into perfection. And he intercedes for us. And the Holy Spirit knows what is on our mind and he will convert our prayers into a perfect heavenly language that our little words cannot even express. And even our crudest prayers will be translated into the beautiful language of the Holy Spirit as they make their way to our dear Heavenly Father. From the simplicity of the youngest child to the confusion of an Alzheimer's patient in a, in a nursing home. The Holy Spirit will make them all into heavenly masterpieces. Now, the wonderful thing about the gift of prayer is that it lasts forever. And we who have the Holy Spirit's gift of faith in Jesus will not experience eternal death. You know that, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> We're almost done. At our earthly death, our souls will be with Jesus in paradise. And there we will pray in his very presence. 
And when the last day comes, he will raise our bodies to immortality and we will be body and soul once again. And then we shall gather around the eternal throne and pray to our dear Father in joy and in peace. And there we will communicate with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect prayer. For there we shall see him face to face, and we will experience his perfect love. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen.